heart of Los Angeles, the at-home edition of the Life Look at the bright lights. Look at the bright lights. We'll be swimming when we I am Mark Leisure, and now our host, the MC, the Master of Change, Filippo Boccaggio. Have you ever been on a call with the person you've never met before and you didn't want to get off the phone with them, I tell you, I was having such a great conversation with our guest earlier today. I wanted the conversation to go on and on, but I wanted to save some of the freshness, but I promise you that it's all fresh because we could never cover any of the subject matters that we talked about uh, without it being fresh because she our guest uh, lives what she's talking about probably more authentically than a lot of people I know. And it's so refreshing. You know, one of the things that really I resonated so much with as a life coach, I like to say to some of my clients who bring certain situations forward, I like to say to them, uh, amongst other things, what does your culture think about this? Or feel about this situation or what have you heard about or what would other people in your culture say? And and some people don't uh, necessarily know what culture they're identifying with, but it's interesting. Some of their decisions are being made based on the culture they don't know they're identifying with. So uh, another client who's recently going through a divorce and I say, so how does uh, the culture you identify with uh, thinks about think about this situation or in in uh, in your wife's situation how how does her wife's culture her family how do they think about this and it's not a question that uh, people ask themselves or each other enough and I, I was thinking today why is it that I could talk with Lisa and she gets it and I get it and I think maybe because uh, Lisa, Lisa was very much in in her culture growing up. I was very much in uh, in the Italian culture growing up with parents that came from Italy, and uh, but but for everybody else, uh, they they don't they might not know that uh, that that heritage, culture, uh, religion uh, has has so much. Uh, influence on uh, what uh, we think about, not just the foods we like or we eat or we make on holidays, uh, but but our every single day decisions. I am liking what I am reading in Soul Blazing, what Lisa has done with the decisions that she uh, has made with uh, the understanding of the of what she has, not only of her culture, of so many cultures. She's one of a kind. This is going to be such an exciting conversation. Uh, so I can't wait to to get going on it with our guest uh lisa uh Heisha, and then our musical guest who has been on the show before and his life has uh, changed since he last was on 
And he's got some new music to share, a new story to share. So looking forward for Trevin to be performing for us tonight as well. All on the Life Changes show at Home Edition right after this. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. Transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All five beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Five beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi Meditation. Phi Meditation helps you harness the power of I am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Five beads at fivebeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, beads.com. You are listening to The Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome, L.A., on the BBS Radio Network, with your host, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. You can hear tonight's show and all our past shows on our archive page at lifechangesshow.com, which include luminaries such as comedian Michael Collier, actress Gabriella Wright, performing artist James Hood, and author Ken Honda. Email your comments and questions to info at lifechangesnetwork.com, or AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. You can also comment via Twitter at LifeChangesShow and Facebook at The Life Changes Show. We have titled this episode of The Life Changes Show at Home Edition, Transform and Live a More Purposeful, Authentic Life. It's inspired by our guest, who is a life coach, a transformational speaker, a TV host, and so much more, an author of Soul Blazing, which we're going to be learning about right now with Lisa Haysha. Welcome, Lisa, to the Life Changes Show. Hi, it's so good to be here. It's so good to have you here, and I, uh, I'm, I'm a new huge fan. Ah, thank you. I uh, hope so. I want to inspire people. Well, you you obviously have through your book, uh, well, through your life's work, uh, through your coaching and all of that, and through your show, uh, but through your book, which is already gaining so much attention, it's it's really hidden to the heart of some or to the soul of something. And so we're we're gonna dive into it in a little bit, but before we do, I want to touch on what we were talking about this culture thing. Yes. It affects us. It sure does. It sure does. It doesn't matter where you're from. We're all one when you understand it. We're all here to walk each other home. Mm. Mm. And and so it's it's interesting that uh, I, I know so many people that associate their culture with, oh, this is what we do on holidays, or this is the, the, the mosque or the synagogue or the church we go to this is the food we eat and all of that a lot of people don't really uh know or or notice how much it affects their decisions which they don't necessarily think are cultural 
who I'm going to marry, if I'm going to marry, if I'm going to go to school, when I'm going to, you know, right? Oh, of course, of course. And until you really truly know yourself, you are making your decisions through what I call your imposters. Everything you've been trained from your culture, from teachers, your siblings, from your friends, from your culture, especially. And that's how we live our life. And then sometimes we feel split or we have split personalities or we're wearing different masks to please so many different people because we don't know who we are. We're living in a world of people who don't know who they are and they're afraid to express themselves or if they do, they get bullied or teased or, and it's just, I think it's really gone too far. And when you've traveled the way I have to over 60 countries, you really find an appreciation for each culture when you break bread with different people, with Bedouins in the mountains of Petra. What do you have in common with them or the Maasai tribe, you know, in Tanzania? You start to understand and learn and you stop judging and you accept people for who they are and you try to find the positive. What can I learn from this culture instead of what can I criticize? Because we're all coming and seeing the world from a different lens and we all affect each other. There's this wonderful saying, they say, if a butterfly flaps its wings in the Amazon rainforest, it can change the weather halfway around the world. What that means is that everything that happens in this moment is an accumulation of everything that's come before it. And this has never been more true than what we're collectively going through at this time. One of the things, speaking of what we're collectively going through at this time, finding uh, respect and still honoring as much as possible uh, our, where we came from, our, our traditions, and finding which one of those are, are right for us. It's, it's like a picking and choosing, or, or how, how did you say it earlier, something about, uh, well, actually, what I wrote down is, how is this working for you? You didn't say that, but I wrote... How is this working for you? Like, okay, I get where you came from now. How is it working for you now? Yeah. Yeah. When I've coached people all over the world, thousands of people now, because I've been doing this for about 25 years. And most people are trying to find themselves. When I say, what's wrong? I don't know who I am. And I just want to find purpose and passion. And they're trying so hard and overthinking everything, which is one of my imposters, <laughs> I created or found, discovered seven imposters that live on the stage of our brain, making decisions for us. And when you don't know who you are, you start overthinking it, or you start trying to fix other people. But when you go in, the best way to find out who you are is to give. When you give, you get. When I was lost and confused and had my who am I, what am I moment when I quit acting and I moved to LA to be an actress and it just didn't work out, I started traveling. And once I started working in orphanages, I found mm. my purpose. It's, it turned the interviews that I do with the kids turned into a book. It turned into a movement. I started speaking all over the world and I didn't even have that planned. So sometimes you have to just step out of the box and you just have to let life take you on a journey without questioning so much. And you start that by just, how can I give? Even if it's an hour a week, two hours a week, you could call so many volunteer places and they'll put you wherever there's a need and there's a need everywhere right now. 
And that really opens you up and you start meeting different people from different cultures because you're not just hanging out with your original tribe, whoever that is that you connect with. You start branching out and you start to accept people and learning and you find out that we all want to be loved and seen and that's it. Who do you love and who loves you? And we want to be seen and heard. We want to be validated. So we're all the same. We're all human beings. Why can't we just allow people to be who they are? That's what I don't understand because each culture has so much beauty in it. And there was a story I'll share with you. I was making a movie. I was in Japan and I raised a million dollars to write, direct, and star in my own feature film. And I was good friends with this really top director who was making six million a screenplay. And he asked me to invite his brother, who's never been out of Michigan, Holland, Michigan, to come see post-production on my movie. And I said, sure, because he was a good friend. He mentored me. He helped me do my film and all this stuff. So he comes out and he's on my set for two days and he's so happy and so grateful. And this is so exciting to him. Then we take him out to dinner because we were finished the post-production and he's like, oh, I've never used utensils before. I only eat at Burger King and McDonald's and stuff. Oh my God, this is so exciting. And what do you do here? What do you do there? And then we started talking about who I am. Then he said, how did you get into this? And I said, oh, I'm half Middle Eastern and half American. He said, excuse me. And I said, oh, my dad's from Baghdad. He just about spit out his food. And he said, what? And he looked at his brother. You're having me eat with a Middle Easterner? Stormed out, left, oh, left wow. a week early. And they never have spoken since. And that was about 15 years ago because I was Middle Eastern. And he said he hated Japanese and Middle Easterners for whatever he was taught as children. And we had the best time and connected. It didn't matter. It was just, this is who you are. I hate that. I hate you because this is what your DNA is. And that was it. And how are we ever going to solve life's problems if people have that mentality? Wow. Yeah. And that was a huge insight for me. (laughs) It's like that has never happened to me before. I never had prejudice growing up because my mom's American and I look very, you know, white and American and all of that. So it's fascinating. Wow. You you know, every story you have, Lisa, is fascinating. And there's so many in the book that I was like, oh, this is a good, this is, oh, this. So, uh, and, but you also raised a good question before you started that story. You said, you know, why can't we let uh, people just be? And it's interesting because you and I talked about a little bit of the answer to that because in certain, and I like how you said tribes, because it could be like we were talking about, like in the gay community, people, this is what the gay people do. Yes. Uh, it, it, but now online, this is what we do. This is what our what teens do. This is what our generation does or, or what whatever you associate with. Right. As your tribe. So uh, we can't let people outside of that uh, do what they want to do, because then it reflects on us. That's the thing. Right. That's how yes. they feel. Right. So you've got some a lot of stories about how what you may have been doing or not was reflecting on not just your family, but like your family and generations of family. Yes. Yes. When I moved from San Diego to be an actress, my dad begged me not to. He said, being an actress is being a whore. I'm like, no, it's not. It's acting. And uh, yeah, he was just really adamant about it. And finally, I just said, I have to do what I have to do. And I moved. 
And I just tried to get commercials and nice stuff. And then I got a soap opera. They wanted me to do a, a, a love scene in bed, but I'm fully clothed and just, you know, fake making out or whatever. And I had to say, no, I can't do that. And I got a another $6 million HBO movie that I was the lead actress with Remington Steele at the time. Oh. And they wanted me to be posing again with no clothes, but you couldn't see anything. He was sculpting me. I was his wife. I, I can't do that. So so many of those that I couldn't do, I couldn't do. So I had to quit acting. And that's when I felt lost. And because my dad said, if I did any kissing scene, any romantic scene, it would be one foot in his grave. And he said, you're going to ruin it for your four sisters and all your cousins. And my dad was the 14th child. Oh, and everyone had five to nine kids. And then the second cousins and the third cousins and the cousins that aren't cousins, but are close family friends. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, so much pressure. So I said, I'm going to quit. And I'm, what am I going to do? And that's when I thought, okay, I have to really figure out what is my soul journey? Because I really didn't have a will to live at that time. I thought if I can't act, I didn't have a plan B. And then I got an offer to model in Tokyo. And I took that and and that paid a lot of money. Then while I was over there, you know, a lot of the girls, I was older, I was like 26 and the other girls were 18, 19. And they were so excited just to travel and to, so they were doing drugs and they were sleeping with people and cat fighting over who's dating who and all this stuff. Cause there's very few foreign models there. So every Japanese guy wanted to go out with them and all the designers, the actors, musicians, investors, everybody. And I didn't want to go out because I'm like, Oh my God, I have the best photographers in the world. This is like three months. And, and I didn't really drink or do anything again. I was a good Arab girl. And um, so I started making up a joke. I said, I'm not going out unless someone gives me $50,000 to talk about my movie, just as a joke. Mm. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, nope, not going out. And they're like, oh my God, she's missing out. Of course she'll go out. But they didn't know I didn't really want to go out. So it became a joke. Two weeks through, there's the girl that won't go out. So finally, someone comes up to me and says, I'll give you $50,000. And I'm like, what are you like kidding? I said, it has to clear. He's like, yeah, it'll clear. He gave me $50,000. So I started talking about my movie. Then he said, what's your movie? I'm like, uh, Psycho Sushi, because I thought everyone was crazy and we were eating sushi. <laughs> what's it about? A girl from LA who goes to Tokyo and models, you know? Okay. Uh, it's about hot love and cold fish because everyone was talking about sex and cold fish. Oh, I like it. I like it. And he ended up taking me to the board to talk to the investors, it was a ball bearing company who invested in the fashion of these different designers. And they said, where's your script? I'm like, it's in my head. I said, I'm not giving you my script. Where's the budget? I said, this was a time when Tarantino came out with Pulp Fiction and all movies were a million dollars. I just said, oh, it's a million dollars. I said, it doesn't matter where you put it in. It's a million dollars. And I said, then I'm going to ask you for a quarter million for marketing because I'm going to run out of money because that's what everyone does. (laughs) And we're laughing. He's like, oh, okay. And I said, I'm not asking you for an investment in this movie. This is an investment in your legacy, in your life. This is Uh the year that you're going to tell your grandkids and your children of what you did, Uh because that's really what life is. I said, it's a journey. I go, look how boring your lives are. You wear blue and gray suits every day. They couldn't even make their own money. All the money was company money and they get a card to buy their car to, you know, buy a computer to go out and eat. I said, so even if you lose the money, you would pay it in taxes anyway. They had such high taxes. So I sold them on this. So within a couple of months, I had a million dollars in my bank account. And I did this movie and brought all my friends on. It wasn't the best movie, but it's really, it was fun. Uh-huh. And 
then I sat there again going, now who am I? What am I? So I uh, said, I need to go to Iraq to find out who I am to really, you know, move forward in life. And in doing that, that's when you you find the juice. Because even though that was a lot of fun and I had all these other great things that came up, it's still if something inside you is not working or you feel a disconnect with yourself, you can never be happy. You could be rich but not happy. I worked with some of the top Hollywood filmmakers and writers. You know, I was married to the, you know, we just divorced, but 17 years with a co-creator of Two and a Half Men, Big Bang Theory, and all these other shows, Sybil, Murphy Brown, all these shows. And working with them and being on the set and working with a lot of top actors, so many of them are so unhappy. I'm like, you guys are making so much money and you're making people laugh and you have your dream job that you wanted to do since you were kids. People adore you and want to be wherever you go. You get private jets, you get everything, all the Emmys, the Oscars, the, you know, Royal treatment, but they're not happy inside because someone did something to them and they didn't clear it up or they have shame. They have guilt. So when you have that, you could be rich, but not happy. And what's the point in the money? That's why so many of them lose their money or they do stupid things or they, you know, lock people in kitchen cabinets, you know, whatever it is. They do these things because they're not happy because their soul is not in alignment with their personality. And when your soul's not in alignment with your personality, you could never be happy. And that's the magic. And that's the work I tried to create in soul blazing of finding how to merge those two. And a lot of self-help says, oh, you got to get rid of this, these sides of you. And I think you need to befriend them and bring them in because your negative side, those voices in your head, you know, your dark shadow, everything that people call that, that's just, I call them imposters. You know, they were just created there. And I think they're like pit bulls. And they have a reputation for attacking people. So they live on your stage of the brain and they're saying silly stuff or sabotaging you or others because they don't feel love love and safe. And that's your inner child. So once you treat them with love and I have this exercise to write, you know, your authentic soul down and then, you know, that imposter and give it a name. And once you do that and start, you know, that book conversations with God that Neil Donald Walsh wrote, he said he just channeled it. It's the same thing. And all of us can do it. You just go, what does that little child want? What does it need to hear? How do I nurture it? And once you nurture that aspect of you, you become whole again. Then the shame and guilt starts to dissipate because you start forgiving yourself and loving yourself. Then you could actually love others and allow someone to come in and love you. And that's a secret to life. And and what a secret it is! It is a secret. Uh, I, so very few people know that. And and you you take it to a step that that I do know women that have done this. Uh, but I very uh, hopefully more and more. So I want to I want to bring it out. You you did what was right for you, and uh, at at the best of your ability that I could tell from the book and what we shared and what I researched. Uh, and 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 then you also did uh, you, you brought it back to to where the it all began, uh, not only by going to Iraq, but also presenting with to your father what the problem was um, in a respectful way. Uh, could you share how you were able to be good to you and good to the person that caused a lot of this? 
Yeah, I think I think everyone has good intentions and they're working from a space and making decisions from what they were born into. Mm. And my dad was born as a fighter and on the streets and uprisings and all this stuff all the time. He's seen he's seen dead bodies on the streets. He's been in revolutions. He's led them. You know, he was like the kid in school. Come on, everyone, let's go. You know, so so his perspective was very different. And now he's living in America with five daughters. My mom was 18 when she had her first child. She had five girls by 22. Mm. And he was 12 years older than her. So he had so, six women, in other words. To, yes. Yeah. And he's like, if one of you gets off track, it ruins it for all of the girls. And then every, the thing is, you get married by 22, definitely by 25. Otherwise, forget it. You'll never get married. And your value goes down. It's like all this old fashioned mm. stuff. Mm. So he's like, oh, you've got to take care of your reputation. And so when I was 16, I was making a cake a few houses down and then when I came home, I opened the door, there was a gun pointing at me and I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, oh my God, that's my dad. What, what's happening is what are you doing out, you know, with the street lights aren't on. And, mm. and I just said, I was just making a cake and he got so angry because he was always at work. What kind of a household are you having here when I'm not here and send her to an orphanage. And I'm like, what is an orphanage? I don't want to go to an orphanage. And he's like, go. And I went to my room crying. But at that moment, something broke. Because he, I idolized him. He was a great dad in many ways. And he was just your, your dad. And everyone respected him. He was always the life of the party, very popular and very loving. And so I just thought, this is so weird. It's such a disconnect. And he always said, be careful of strangers. Everyone's out to get you. And you just go home, come home, and you just go to weddings and funerals, you know, family stuff. Yeah. And so that's when I started sneaking out of the window and I started hitchhiking. And I would only go out with like, hell's angels type if they would pick me up if it was a nice person i'd say that's okay and i'd get in these cars and say my dad told me to fear you why are you broke why do you drive this car why do you have tattoos why do you have piercings why don't you have money why 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 and nobody would hurt me and everyone brought me back and i just went wow maybe the world is not as dangerous as one thinks it is so then when i got older and wanted to move to la my dad obviously said, no, no, no. Then finally he gave in. And then after the stories I just shared with you, this and that, I couldn't do this, couldn't do that. Then Japan and back. And then now what? I just thought, okay, I need to solve this problem. Because regardless of relationships or interesting jobs or interesting travels, I still came home feeling lonely. Mm. I still felt isolated and I didn't love myself, I was still felt shame and guilt for, you know, so many things that were not even possibly worthy of it. But from my mind and my background, it is. So you keep procrastinating your dreams to keep pleasing other people. So I go, okay, I have to go to Iraq to understand this culture so I can mend all my issues with my dad and try to find a win-win solution. So I went there and um, my idea was, I saw Christiane Anapur on the news. I'm like, oh, I'd love to be a war reporter. Again, when you don't love yourself, you don't have a fear of death. And in a way, I thought if someone else kills me, I'm not going to hurt the family name because it was an accident and I could die a hero. And I just didn't want to live if, because I thought I could never just get a real job. It just wasn't in me. So I thought, okay, I'll be a war reporter. So I thought, oh, I saw on the news that uh, people were getting kidnapped on the 18 hour bus drive from Jordan to Iraq. So I thought, Oh, I could do that. And I could 
befriend the captors because I've worked, was with all these, you know, uh, hitchhiking these guys. And I worked with foster kids and, you know, I was getting a degree and I did some hours working in, you know, a jail. That's a whole nother story, you know, a prison, Chowchilla. So I thought I could handle whatever comes my way. You know, I connect to broken people. So I went off, I brought my Louis Vuitton cubic zirconia. So when they came in, I'm like, here, oh, let me open my Louis Vuitton. Oh, here's my cubic zirconia. Oh, what? Oh, here's my visa. Here's this. Like, oh, Habibi, thank you. And I'm like, oh my God, no one's hurting me. Then I met a woman there and I said, what are you doing here alone? And she goes, oh, I'm here to kill myself. I'm like, what? Because she was in the same situation where she was the... um, hero of the family. She was born when her parents were 40 and they started at 13. So she was the, every family has to have the, you know, prestige. She was the lawyer, a doctor, a lawyer. And she goes, all I want to do is belly dance. And I want to live in LA, not Michigan. And I can't do anything. I don't want to marry a Middle Easterner. I want to marry who I fall in love with. And none of that was possible. So we went on a mission to get kidnapped and nobody heard us. Nobody did anything. Then we became on a mission to meet Saddam Hussein. Can we meet Saddam? Can we meet Saddam? Because all the expatriates were there. So uh, we somehow got into those meetings. We did this, did that, got to meet Vice President Taha Ramadan and Tariq Aziz and got to do other things. But we left there. Oh, so then we went to Tel Kef, both of our family's hometown, and we saw an orphanage there. And that's when I walked into that orphanage and I went, oh my God, this is the orphanage my dad was going to send me to. And I started talking with the kids and interviewing them and filming them. And then I promised I'd memorialize their words because they're like, Americans just bomb us. And why do you hate us? And my dad died. My uncle lost his leg, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, it's not true. People love you. It's politics. So I started asking them if they had one wish, what would it be? Is God fair? Why or why not? And who in the world would you want to meet and why? And then I went on, spent the next five years going to orphanages, asking those questions and put a book together and then started um, giving it to libraries and schools and bookstores and all this stuff and started speaking around the world. And that's how that happened. But then when I came back from that trip, I asked my dad um, to sit with me and I showed him the video, showed him the pictures and showed him his old house that he grew up in. I went to his school. I, they know everything about you there, by the way, when you check in and go on the VIP just to get in the country, your father is Hekmet, your uncle is Azawi. They know everything. And then they tell you, oh, if you want to go and they, you know, I had a driver and a translator and they told me where everything was and took me there. It was amazing. So yeah, I got to show him that and that gave us a bond and that gave us a different relationship where he looked me looked at me as a friend and a daughter right. and because That's I survived huge. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was huge. And just the travels because he went all over Europe and stuff. So now we had a different dialogue. And then I asked him, if you could take back time, would you still do that? You, I said, you know, the reason I did that and put myself in all these dangerous situations is because of that one incident. And he said, no, I would still do it because that was needed at that time. <laughs> I'm like, what? Wow. Even with all your knowledge, this is like wow. 20 years later and you would still do it. He said, yeah, I would. Okay. Yeah. Cause he wow. said, it's love to him. That means I love you and I'm protecting you. And I needed to give the strongest, severest um, impression on you to keep you in line and all the girls in line. And he and said, though, though you might not agree with it, you, you kind of get where he's coming from. Cause totally. you knew where he was coming from. 
And as a parent now, I'm like, oh, I get it. All the, the world's so scary. I want my daughter at home all the time. No, don't go. I don't even want you walking three, four blocks anymore. It's like, yeah. you don't know. And you wouldn't there. use his language and you wouldn't use a gun. Correct. Uh, correct. <laughs> wow. Wow. But yeah. it's the same thing. It's like being overprotective. And that's what he knew. And he had five girls. I have one, you know? So... So uh, I'm talking to the audience now. Could you see what I mean? Like you want her to go on the stories, like like to live vicariously. There's got to be a movie about this. Uh, Are you still doing the $50,000 for someone to to take you out? Because there's got to be a movie about this. No. <laughs> I I my next book is Under a Baghdad Roof which is about my journey to Iraq and really seeing especially what's going on right now in Ukraine it's really seeing that up close you know and I went to those rallies we hate Americans and I'm like I'm American can I talk to you can I videotape you oh habibi come here and I'm like you're just saying you hate me he goes oh we have to do that for TV oh, and I'm like god. oh my god so what? it made me rethink oh everything. Yes. Oh, no, we have to take a break. But and, and when we come back, we we have to talk about soul blazing. Uh, so because we, we want to talk at least a little bit about imposters. You've mentioned it. And, and I want to give the audience a, an understanding of what you mean by at least a couple of them. But I, I think we're going to have to talk about the second book another time. And I look forward yeah. to that, actually. So if, if you're interested in, in any of what we've just spoke about, Soul Blazing, S-O-U-L Blazing, B-L-A-Z-I-N-G dot com is the website. The book is Soul Blazing as well. Lisa Haisha, H-A-I-S-H-A. Uh, you can find the book anywhere where books are sold. Of course, you can go to the website and find out what else she's doing because she's keynote speaker and all these other things. Uh, we're going to be right back with more of Lisa. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I mispronounced your name. Heisha. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, when we come back and then uh, we're going to have our Ask Dorothy segment and then we're going to have our performance segment with Trevin all on the Life Changes show at Home Edition right after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and a little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. You are listening to the Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome LA, with your host, Filippo Voltaggio. You can visit us online at lifechangesshow.com, via Twitter Life Changes Show and Facebook at Life Changes Show. Well, 
Life changes indeed. I am Filippo, host of the Life Changes Show, and this is the at home edition. This episode is episode 677, titled Transform and Live a More Purposeful, Authentic Life. You're hearing it with our guest, who is a life coach, transformational speaker, TV host, and so much more, and author of several books, one of them being Soul Blazing, which we're going to get to speak on right now. And, and, uh, so, so Lisa, you, you, uh, well, Lisa Heisha, uh, you, uh, you mentioned how uh, you would be around and 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 new celebrities and models and all these people who w- one would think would otherwise be happy. And in your book, uh, you actually say that some of them fall into one of the imposters, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. All of you know, there's, I discovered seven that after working with hundreds of people, cause I started seeing similarities of why didn't this person work? Why, why isn't that person's work, life working out? It's like, Oh, that person uses sex. They're a seductor. They, you know, try to persuade people to do things. Oh, that person's a fixer. They keep doing things for others. So they don't do it for themselves. So they have an excuse. Oh, my mom needed me. This person needed me. Or they overthink themselves to death. I talked to so many people when they were close to, you know, ending their life, they had a week or a month to live. And they're like, Oh, I want that book to be done. Or I never did this, or I never travel there. Cause they over, you know, thought everything where, you know, the timing was just never right. And sometimes you just have to go. So the seven imposters are the judge, the egotist, the seductor, the victim, the overthinker, the fixer, and the joker. And then oh. the goal is to get to your authentic soul. And the way I teach people that is through, you know, to get through the noise and the fiction of our imposters is to stop for a moment and get quiet inside, observe them understand the fears and anxieties behind their chatter, and then liberate ourselves from them. And that's S-O-U-L practice. Stop, understand, under, um, stop, observe, understand, and liberate. And then that has helped people so much because it's taking off our imposter, imposter masks that we wear to fit in to be loved. And once you can do that, that's begin, the beginning of your freedom and a deeper connection with yourself and others. And that's the best way to work through the noise and the fiction of your imposters. So the book will teach you how to do that. It'll transform your saboteurs into superpowers where you could live a more purposeful, authentic life. So uh, the, the thing that I found uh, even, even more interesting, so like, for example, the judge, the egotist, the seductor, the victim, the overthinker, the fixer, the joker, uh, the there are I've, I've I've learned about these things before, and so many times we learn about getting rid of them. And you're saying we could use them. Yes, invested so much time in them. We're good at it. Let's use them, right? Yes, that's the whole point. I think because when you try to say, "Oh, I hate that part of myself," or "I won't yeah. do that anymore," I'm going to just stop being a flirt, or I'm going to stop helping people. That's not the answer either, because you go in the opposite direction. What you have to do is love each aspect of yourself, just like you have to love others. When you say, I hate you to someone, or I hate that person, then that means you, you're you saying it, hate is in your voice. That's like, I'm hating you. 
Um, someone, I was having a conversation with someone the other night, drinking some wine, and we were talking about this. Then they said, God, I hate Putin. He needs to die. And then I heard it and we're like, hate Putin, put in. You are putting in hate every time you say that. Interesting. Isn't that? And it's like, you. then you're going to still, you're the same then. You're the same person as him. You are, it's, you know, because we're all similar. We all do things not at the same level. But it, we've all stolen a pack of gum or done something like that. That's still stealing, whether you stole from a bank or a pack of gum. So we're all connected in some form. So if we just start loving ourselves and accepting ourselves and doing forgiveness exercises and then saying, oh, take a minute, stop and observe what you're doing. And then you could understand why, why am I saying this or doing this? This makes no sense. Or why am I hurting someone or attacking someone or not being kind to myself? Why am I self-sabotaging myself? Then if you start writing that down and you give it a voice, who is that person? Who is this imposter? If I'm not say finishing my book, I want to write this book and I'm not finishing it. I could go, my mom wanted to write a book. She never finished it. And that's, I saw that pattern over and over again. Oh, I'm not worthy enough. Who cares what I have to say? My, everyone already said it before. Nobody will read it. All that kind of stuff could come out and go, Oh, okay. So you give it a name. Oh, that must be my mom or whoever, my friend or my teacher, whoever it was. Then you start writing, you give that the name of that person and then you make friends with it. I hear that that was your issue. That's not mine. And the reason I'm doing this and find your purpose, find your passion of why you want to do it and why your voice is different. Everyone could say the same thing, but people sometimes you could probably hear the way I say it and someone else might not be able to, they could hear the way someone else says it, Byron Katie or whoever, Tony Robbins, they could understand, but they don't get my voice, but they get his, or they don't get his and they get mine. So everyone's different of how we communicate and the energy that we do it. And most people are saying, God, I can't be successful. I've been trying for 10 years or 15 years. I get a lot of people like that, or I want to train to be a soul blazer because I want to be a millionaire. I'm like, I will not take you if your goal is to become a millionaire. Your goal should be to, what is my gift? Discover it and then give it away. And then in the process of giving it away, everything comes to you because you're living from your authentic soul. And when you live from your authentic soul, your vibration is higher and you start attracting the right people. Anytime I was plowing through after acting, I'll do this, I'll do that. Nothing was working. And I'm like, I cannot just go get a job someplace you know, because I did a lot of gig work, but I'm like, I'm supposed to do something else. I just feel it. And if you start squashing that authentic soul, when the universe, everyone, we all have a seed, you've heard of the acorn and we're supposed to water it and let it grow. And when you feel that and you go in the opposite direction out of fear, you'll never be happy. So you have to water it and go, okay, I'm going to be brave enough to step into it. Even if I work on this, I, I've been working on this book for 10 years plus. <laughs> Someone was at my book signing and said, oh, I saw you speak at the Conscious Life Expo in 2006. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, you were talking about soul blazing and writing your book, you know? So take <laughs> sometimes my overthinker was, you know, you know, really strong at that point. So it was good because I got so much more um, wisdom during that time. And the way I was writing it before, it wasn't as articulate or and packaged in a way that people could get as clearly as it is now. So I do sometimes think everything comes when it's supposed to come out, but you have to raise your vibration. Once your vibration is in alignment with what you're supposed to do in the world, 
everything starts to happen. It's like, I always say create miracles or expect miracles because they just come to you. You just meet that right person. Like the other day, I was just talking with a friend that I haven't spoken to in about a year and she's a stylist. And I go, oh, will you help style me for my book launch? She's like, sure, I'll come over. We'll have a glass of wine and catch up. She happened to be get a job at Goop. She goes, I'm working out with Gwyneth every day. I love your book. I'm going to give it to her. You know, before it was like, how do I get it to this person? How do I get it to Oprah? How do I da 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 da? You don't have to do that. When you're in alignment with your truth and you put the proper energy in it, it just happens. It unfolds. And people say, oh, you're so lucky. And then I want to go, no, I'm not lucky. (laughs) It took a lot of work and a lot of deep inner work, a lot of prayer, a lot of moments in silence, walking barefoot on the grass, hugging trees being in silence, going universe, what am I supposed to do next? Please give me the answers. I'm lonely. I'm scared. I don't feel complete. I don't feel lovable. I don't feel you know, everything. I don't want to be in relationship yet. I'm lonely if I'm not because nothing was working. And once you let all that go, because it's all stories, we all create stories based on falsehoods that someone told you, someone could have said, I don't like you. You're ugly. Then it was like, oh, you know, I'm secretly ugly. I hope no one finds out. But all those are just their story or you're dumb or you're not good enough or you'll never amount to anything or you're, you know, whatever it is that all of us have been told. No one gets out of childhood unscathed. Yeah. So Lisa, you just- it shows, it shows you, you're, you, you wrote the work that you did obviously. And I am uh, so grateful that you're speaking through your voice and through your experience. And I trust that everybody can hear you uh, that that is listening and that is reading your book, uh, especially uh, the women that have had exact or very similar experiences. uh, And, and even, even if you see yourself on, on some level, men, women, children, whoever it is, CEOs, you, it, we've all had experiences where we could use some soul blazing, transform your imposter into superpowers and live a more purposeful, authentic life. We have had the pleasure of speaking with Lisa Haisha, and uh, you could get her book at uh, soulblazing.com. You could find her actually all over and the books are all over uh, the internet where books are sold. Uh, Lisa, what a true pleasure. I look forward to our next time together. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. So good to be here today. And so good to be connected and and for you to share as you did. Thank you so much. All the best to you. Soul Blazing and Lisa Haysha. And with that, we have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy. This is Kimberly in Yucca Valley, and my husband and I are thinking of moving to Florida. We had our best place to live charts done, and both of us were shown the northern part of Florida. I'm excited about this move, but I find myself thinking that we have no idea if this will really work for us. We are packing and planning our cross-country drive, but we have never been to Florida at all. And I get this little silly voice in my head asking, what are you doing? What if there is car trouble on the road? What if we can't find the perfect city and the perfect home? What if neither of us can find work? What if we go broke because of this move to uncharted territory? When I tell my husband of my thoughts, he says he doesn't want to hear this negativity and that I need to trust the universe to guide us. How can I make peace with our choice? 
Question. I don't find the voice in your head silly at all. I believe it is your higher self asking you to do the research necessary to make this a successful choice. Having known both you and your husband for years now, and having seen you make impulsive moves in the past, I can understand your husband's trust the universe stance. And I can also understand your questioning this cross-country move. Your past moves were all within 100 miles of family and friends, and you have done very well with each one. However, Northern Florida is clear across the country, and I intuit that not only do you not know anyone there, you aren't quite sure where there is. What I believe is going on in your head is that you are thinking very practical thoughts which lead to questions that would serve you to have clearer answers to. So you might want to take some time to do some research and see what costs of this kind of relocation will entail and budget for it. It would be a good idea to have a clear destination in mind rather than the north coast of Florida. I would start with researching the areas that most appeal to you and determining if your kind of skills would find jobs there. Finding out the cost of homes and the and our apartments is also vital for you to have more confidence and financial security. As the questions pop up, write down your concerns and research them. Also, if you find yourself lost in negative thinking, please remember that you are the divine child of God and that you're the power in your world. And you can always say, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for providing us with the answers we seek and showing us what is in our highest and best good. In fact, Kimberly, I say something very similar each day upon awakening, and I love my life and live in love, peace, and joy. As you do your research, share your thoughts with your beloved. Before embarking on this journey, it would be a good idea for both of you to see me once a decision has been made. I look forward to hearing an update on this possible relocation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dorothy. If you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at askdorothy at lifechangesshow.com. And we'll be right back with our performance guest, Trevin, right after this on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening, someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. The 
Life Changes Show is a premier radio show presented by the Life Changes Network, which is a company whose team has dedicated their lives not only to positive change, but to helping others observe and embrace, honor, and even celebrate their own changes, thus enabling a more positive, inspired life and helping to create a more positive and inspired world. From everyday people, celebrities, corporate giants, and children, we are here to help and to serve. With heart, integrity, and experience, we bring our message and positive intent into your lives through the Life Changes Show, lifechangesnetwork.com, and through guest appearances on other inspiring shows and events. If you wish to learn more about Life Changes Life Coaching, a private consultation with one of us, corporate or live event appearances, or if you would like us to appear on your radio or TV shows, please email us at info at lifechangesnetwork.com. We are back. I am Filippo, and our performance guest here on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition is singer-songwriter Trevin. Trevin, welcome back to the Life Changes Show. Brother Filippo, thank you so, so much for having me on. And also, Lisa, it was just amazing getting to hear your story. You are a prime example of someone I would like hear. I mean, hearing what you're describing, I'm just like, holy wow. How does someone, I can't even fathom living through that, growing up in the, in the environment you did, facing the things you faced, and to live and tell the tale so graciously as you do. Wonder, uh, agreed. And interesting, uh, Trevin, when I was telling you who our guest was, uh, it was I was telling you because you were sharing some things that you have been going through and are going through. And I said, just wait till you hear Lisa. So uh, wasn't this a perfect uh, match? Could not be more per- the divine orchestration of it for sure. The timing of it, uh, and also big thank you to Dorothy so so much for uh, thinking of me and wanting me to be back on. Thank you, Filippo. Thank you, Mark. Thank you guys for what you do with this. It's such a gift to get to be. A you know, well, we 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 haven't forgotten you. Obviously, I, I I've gotten to see you at other events, and and that's been a pleasure. And uh, gotten to stay in touch online as we do with so many of our guests and, and, and performance guests. And so it's, it's truly enriching and it's also wonderful to see people going to, to, to see our, uh, guests and, and, uh, performance guests live. And it's, it's, it's growing. It's a beautiful thing. And, and then, uh, we didn't see you for a while. And then what we did see was you had gone through some major life change uh i don't know how much of it we're gonna talk about (laughs) ah my gosh yes i I wasn't sure how much you or dorothy had seen i know dorothy after she reached out but yes um certainly closest thing to a near-death experience uh, which oddly enough i had sort of prayed for early on like a few years ago because anita morjani you guys are probably familiar with her story too but Mm. You know, near uh, had stage four lymphoma, came back, is now speaking, has written books. But I had sort of like hoped for that. But I was like, I just hope I don't have to die. And then to have gone through what I did. So about a year ago, I fell almost two stories. And, uh, and insanely crazy enough the the worst part of it was just a broken left ankle and some micro fractures in my back, the doctors, everyone were like, we don't even know how we've had people fall from shorter distances have much worse industry in injuries. And, uh, for me, it, it forced me to slow down and similar to what Lisa's talking about. Big thing was to, uh, not only my mom had to, she came to uh, help take care of me and being in bed, it forced me to be in that receiving mode that I 
Mm. felt like I was good at, but didn't realize I still struggled a lot with being okay with asking for help. I was, I'm so used to thinking, I can do this. I can take care of it. I can handle it. It's fine. Mm. Actually, before we go too far with that, didn't you write a song about that? That is exactly what this first song is in many ways about. Yes. So this song is already out, right? No. So funny. The no. Thing, no. Awesomely enough, post the whole accident and everything else, uh, I've been doing music for years. You guys already know that. I've yeah. uh, these tons of stuff online, but I started working on these new songs. And then I started working with this awesome producer that I've known for a while named Michael Blue. Uh, he produced Colby Calais' first album, which had Bubbly on it. He did um, One Republic's first album, which had Apologize and a bunch of other bands. And uh, he was someone that I thought of that I wanted to work with and uh, brought these songs to him. And we've been working on them since the end of February. We're still. in oh. So these are all new songs. Oh, wow. I knew the next one was, but I thought this one was already out. Maybe because I've, I've heard it so many times and I'm, I like, I'm loving it. So let's, let's let the audience uh, hear this <laughs> because uh, so yeah, I think I think they'll hear it, right, Trevin? It, it's it's in the lyrics. It's in the lyrics. Yes, I think it is. I'm so sorry, Felipe. One second, I'm getting like a weird beeping noise. I hear the beep. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, from the upcoming album. It, I'm excited yeah. to know. So first time on radio, premiered here on the Live Changes Show. Here is Trevin live with steady as i go i've never been one to ask you for a helping hand but lately my hand shakes so much i must admit that i need someone to catch me when i fall back on it scares me most all alone i drown and all my fears and doubts steady as i go As I go, it's so nice to have somebody ask you how you feel. Because lately, to be honest, I can't even tell. Well, how much is too much for you? Just give up on what you thought you knew. Well, it's too late, I can't 
can't stop. It's waiting beyond this moment. Here it comes. Steady as I go. you for a helping hand Cause I thought I had to do it all by myself mm. Travel Wow uh, Thank you Kevin Music, T-R-E-V-A-N Music.com, T-R-E-V-A-N Music.com. Wow, so uh, he's on Instagram, he's on TikTok, TikTok, find him on uh, Trevin Music. Trevin, uh, what's that line in there that says um, something about the voices in your head? Because uh, there's a a, a bridge uh, the bridge section says i keep climbing climbing till i fall back down which in many ways i think is similar to oh my gosh so sorry guys one second uh yeah, yeah today's the day for all the beeps and noises all and, the beeps and electronics and noises. not to work so don't worry okay. um, um, we hear you don't worry <laughs> thank you yeah um but the climbing till I fall back down felt kind of similar to what Lisa hinted to earlier. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of like in many ways, it's almost like the egoic or the, the attempt to escape whatever that inner feeling fear is underneath. And then uh, <clears throat> climbing to get away. And then it goes into from all those voices saying you're not good enough. So, yeah. So climb that ladder and we'll see what you're made of. And from, for me that it's a, there's a personal element to that, but also, in this modern world, not similar to what Lisa hinted to as well, you know, you, when this, the world of corporate, corporate world, things like that, the idea of like, do what it takes and keep going, let's see what you have. Um, and sometimes that sends us on a journey. And if we're not available or listening, and then we end up making choices or things that, you know, can be very traumatizing or can be very damaging. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, gosh, I hope you, you never have to go through another near-death experience to write more great songs you know you 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 don't have to do it that way i don't think uh ever again i hope for you because uh because this certainly speaks to that experience uh you've written a song for a lot of people you've also written a song for you have you heard this song when you sing it uh, oh to yourself the one that i the one that i just played yeah um, yeah, for the recordings that we've been working on getting to listen back, it was one of the ones that it's, it's actually evolved on the production side too, in ways I didn't expect, which is very cool. But, um, it's, I have to thank my mom so much, by the way, my mom has been such a huge part, not only of that, but she's kind of my A&R woman. And I would play her all the uh-huh. potential songs that I had. And this one was one of the ones right off the bat. She's like, Oh, I get chills. That's such a strong song because she yeah. knows about my whole experience. Yeah. Um, so when I do listen though, I, I always hope that what I create will speak to and reach out to people. And, and these songs in particular, that one in particular, 
I feel like I am seeing more and more as I listen to it and re-listen to it. Like, wow, there, I think I'm hoping there are a lot of people out there that can speak to anyone who struggles with mental health, all these things that we talked about, as well as um, just feeling like you're alone and you, you can't trust yourself. And in this world where we have people with uh, that are transgender or all these uh, new um, facets of reality that are emerging at this moment in time, it's very challenging to know where do I fit in all this and most of us living that steady as I go mantra to steady uh, as I go yeah and my mom I gotta say so when I originally wrote I just had that chorus and it was I was doing steady as she goes my mom's like what if it was something else like steady as I go and I was like okay and at first I was resisting it but then that spawned the whole story that came from it afterward (laughs) you you know actually and I have to say uh, speaking of um, resisting it thank you for uh, saying yes, uh, I, I, I know when we invited you on the show, uh, all was well. And then as time went on, you got sick and then you got sicker. And then um, you're just starting to get better. As a matter of fact, I, I think you had to cancel some gigs this weekend. So you you like kept saying, yes, I'm going to be better for the show. I'm going to be better. And here you are. You're sounding great. So th- good on you for saying yes. Oh, Filippo, I love you. Thank you for that. <laughs> that, that means so much. It's true. Even uh, leading up to today and all the technical stuff to set up, but I was definitely... Uh, freaking out a bit because my voice is like oh god I haven't sang in a week and my throat is still yeah so I was worried but I'm just gonna like you said just say yes and do the best I can do and 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 we were trying to give you an out like we we, you know we were feeling this would be a great but but we're trying to give you an out and you're like I I really want to do this and I know uh, and here you are and so uh, and not only did you do it you're gonna do it again (laughs) Uh, speechless hello what is that Trevin? Oh, yes. Did, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did I, lose, I thought I lost you there, that you dropped out. Yes. So we're going to get to hear Speechless Hello. Tell us about that song, and then we're going to get to hear. Oh, yeah. So this one is another one. Uh, this was actually one of the first ones early on when I was writing songs as potentials for this album. And I didn't even know it was going to be an album yet. I was just writing songs. And I had written it. I made a voice memo, and I kind of forgot about it. And it's another one of those ones. I call it my Stephen King moment, because I think if some of you know his first significant novel that actually got published, I think he had apparently thrown the manuscript in the trash because he was so burned out and fed up from rejections. And, and his wife, I guess, took it out of the trash and said, no, like, this is too good. You can't throw this away. And that became his first published book. So this next song, which may be the first single from the album, I had made a recording and kind of thought, ah, I don't know if it's any good. And I don't remember what prompted it, but I played it for my mom. She's like, this is great. This is a great, this is a wonderful song. Why would you throw this away and what's your mom's name let's give her a shout out oh, gail mcclure my greatest angel that i Thank know by gail name. oh she's just <laughs> best ever and we have the best shared of, i get my sense of humor from her and uh she's always i will say without a doubt she was the the voice of you can do it i believe in you and you know you're gonna get there and she'd say oh, i see you i see you playing at staples center i see all of it and oh. she was i she always believed in me in that way and then my dad was the one who believed in me but just like lisa with the, the you know the voices of aware of his own not making it with all the talent and, and ability he has that i think and so you know it created this like minefield of all the things that 
could go wrong or might go wrong and how do you need to prepare for that mm. so uh so i yeah, got yeah. a good well-rounded thing mom gave me the, <laughs> you can do it and dad gave you the like here's a million things that might go wrong and how are you going to handle it and you know, <laughs> special train special forces training <laughs> <laughs> well we're going to hear trevin perform his new song also premiering uh, that will be Probably the first single coming out on his new album, hopefully by this summer. Here is Speechless. Hello. Well, your smile makes me want to say hello. But just like a kid, I lost all of my words when caught me staring, daring me to make my move, but your beauty makes me speechlessly just wave, hello, 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 speechlessly, hello, 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 hello. Your eyes, they made me double take times before I asked you Where did you come from? What took you so long? Where have you been hiding? Well, it's hard to come up with clever conversation Looking at you just makes me blush So I say, your smile makes me want to say hello But just like a kid, I lost all of my words When you caught me staring, daring me to make my move but your beauty makes me speechlessly just wave hello, 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 hello. Speechlessly hello, 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 hello. Your laughter makes me want to be silly. I'm genuinely honored. To get to know you moment by moment feels just like magic. It's hard to pretend that I know what I'm doing. Being with you feels so new. So I say, Will you smile? Makes me want to say hello, hello, hello. Like a kid, I tripped on all my words when you caught me staring, daring me to make my move. But your beauty makes me speechlessly just wave hello, 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 speechlessly hello, 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 hello. Speechlessly, hello. Nice. Speechlessly, hello. And Trevin, 
trevinmusic.com is where you can find him also on instagram and tiktok on social media media is trevin music that's trevin t-r-e-v-a-n trevin music trevin you had me at hello and you still have me (laughs) you had me at everything (laughs) you're just everything filippo your name alone speaks for itself my name alone well uh listen uh, what uh, a pleasure so good to to hear you're back and uh hopefully you're you're not only back to stay but you're you're climbing up the ladder not to fall but to enjoy the view so keep it going uh wish you all the best and what a pleasure we'll connect again i know Thank you so much, Filippo. So, so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Life, the Life Changes Show. <laughs> Such a pleasure to have uh, Trevin on again. And what a pleasure to connect and have uh, Lisa Heisha on. Uh, with that, that is our show. On behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue, and our producer and co-host, Mark Lejeur, I am your host, Filippo Voltaggio, reminding you that as your life changes, like ours surely did tonight, We're here for you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to the Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at the Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes.